0: Romans chapter 12, verses, uh, first two verses. In the NIV, it reads like this Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. You might be familiar with that particular uh, passage and that particular translation of the Bible. The message version is not a direct translation of the actual Greek scriptures, but uh, it is a paraphrase, and a very brilliant paraphrase, by Eugene Peterson. And so, his rendition of that particular couple of verses says this, and it's really, really poignant for where I want us to go this morning. So, here's what I want you to do, says Peterson, describing Romans. God helping you, take your everyday ordinary life you're sleeping eating going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking instead fix your attention on God You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants to do from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So referring back to that little exercise, this time tomorrow, and all the wonderful people that that came out, describing really all our situations. Tomorrow morning, this time, Monday, some of us will be at home, some of us will be in our neighbourhoods, some of us will be in a place of learning, some of us will be at work. We'll be in all different situations and settings. It's really my prayer this morning. And really, I really believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. About what God wants us to be aware of. Out there. Beyond these walls. What he's already doing. How you can fit into that. How you can take part in that. What he wants you to do. Outside of these walls. It's great to gather together. In fact, the Bible encourages us. Do not give up. Meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But you know what? Most of our lives, we're away from this place. We're out in the four corners of Leeds and beyond. We're all over the place. Uh, you know, people come from up, even Scunthorpe to, to, to worship with us. Doncaster, Barnsley, it's amazing how many people travel from all over the place. But um, But that in mind... I want you to think about this particular passage from Luke chapter 1. And it's, um, it's a passage that you never read out at this time of year. Um, but I really want us to think about, actually, the character and the person that Mary was when she got the visitation from, from Gabriel. And I want you to think about the ordinariness of Mary, young woman that she was, and, and what, what her life was like before, after, and during that that visit from the angel. So verse 26 of Luke 1 says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary uh, tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be frightened, Mary, the angel told her, for God has decided to bless you. You will become pregnant and have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever his kingdom will never end mary asked the angel but how can i have a baby i am a virgin and the angel replied the holy spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you so the baby born to you will be holy and he will be called the son of god what's more your relative elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age People used to say that she was barren, but she's already in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant, and I am willing to accept whatever he wants. May everything you have said come true. And then the angel left her. So imagine that scene. Mary, an everyday ordinary woman, busily going about her everyday ordinary life, living a faithful, obedient life under very tough and oppressive conditions that were brought upon her by the occupying Roman army of that time. And suddenly, God's messenger, Gabriel, delivers Well, what is amazing news? But it's amazing news that really probably the people around her were very unaffected by at that particular moment anyway. But really, my paraphrase of the message that he brought her was this. God knows you, Mary. He knows all about your life. He knows your struggles, your doubts, your fears. He knows about your insecurities. He knows all about the mundane, boring stuff that makes up the majority of your life. He knows all this and he wants you to know you matter. Your life matters and he wants to do so much more in you and through you. It may be that most people won't recognize it, but for you, Mary... Everything changes from here. She was just everyday ordinary. And God brought that message. And so she was faced with a choice. At that moment, my version says that she was confused and disturbed. I think I would be if I suddenly had an angel bring me a message like that. Certainly, if I was pregnant, I would be very disturbed. <laughs> but with her head in a whirl, she uttered five words that began this adventure. I am the Lord's servant. That was her response. And we often read Bible stories like this, believing that we could never experience anything similar in our own everyday, ordinary lives. These sort of things make a great sermon story, or maybe a, a brilliant children's talk in Sunday school but experiences like that don't happen in our real lives or maybe we think that God does speak to some people but only a few people like this you know missionaries perhaps get that kind of a message pastors maybe you know slightly weird people but not everyday ordinary me but if you think about other biblical characters throughout scripture Along with this story of Mary. They all received such a a message. And it all arrived. Just as they were going about their everyday ordinary lives. Once they received the message. They carried on with their everyday ordinary lives. And allowed God to do some pretty amazing stuff. There's a wonderful book by a guy called Dennis Backer. He's he's an American. And it's called The Joy of Work. And he describes how. Most of the heroes of the Bible uh, were in what, what we would call secular vocations when God brought them a real special message of what he wanted them to do. And so he describes some of these characters. He says, Isaac developed real estate. Well, in the British term, he was a, a property developer or something like that. Jacob was a rancher or a farmer. Joseph was a government official in charge of agriculture. The economy and the immigration policy. And he served a pharaoh in a foreign land that didn't honour God's, uh, Israel's God. Joseph, even though he was in this situation, when he received this message from God, he didn't decide to pack up. And he thought, he didn't decide to serve God best by leaving this job and starting up a faith-based charity, that, uh, that would do this this charity work. He stayed in this job, and he outlived what it was to be a, a, a man of God in this situation. Moses spent forty years as a shepherd. Esther won a beauty pageant and then went on into government service. Daniel was an immigrant who attended Babylon's version of Oxford University, and he became prime minister. Lydia was a successful businesswoman in textiles. Paul worked for Go Outdoors. He was a tent maker. Perhaps the ultimate expression, Backer says, of how much God values work is Jesus the carpenter. Jesus spent more than three quarters of his working life in the building profession, fashioning benches and chairs and tables and he was probably involved in the general construction of that day in Nazareth. The word that we use as a as carpenter in the Greek is the word tekton. And it, it refers really from the root of where we get technology from these days. But it probably means that Jesus was not just a carpenter. He was very handy in stone, masonry work as well. But the Bible is a book written by workers about workers for Workers, but too often in discussion, we talk about our spiritual lives and we talk about our spiritual lives gathered together in here. We very often forget that our spiritual lives are out there most of the time, beyond these walls, and it's a huge part of what God's plan is for our lives. God intends the Spirit to fill and energize our places of work, our neighbourhoods, our home life, wherever we find ourselves. Mary was no exception. She would have the same tasks and responsibilities. She would continue to live at, the, well, at the, this stage of her life, in the same town, with the same family, with the same friends and acquaintances, and life would go on for her. And yet, her response would have a significant impact. It would have significant consequences on how God was going to use her. That response is a challenge to all of us. And it can be a template for all of us if we choose it. Because God's called every single one of us. If we call ourselves followers of Jesus, his disciples, we all need to surrender to his plan and purpose in our lives. We become clearly aware of his call to serve him in our everyday Ordinary lives, and if we do surrender our lives, and they become alive to Him working in us and through us. But we will, however, be tempted to reel back sometimes, we will be tempted to forget what we're really about in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces, in our places of learning. So let's remind ourselves. This is a really important thing that we could say to ourselves every single morning. It really would ground us. We didn't enlist God to help us get the most out of our lives. He enrolled us to be a part of his plan and purpose in this world. Let me repeat that. We didn't enlist God to help us get the most out of our lives. He enrolled us to be part of his plan and purpose for this world. Can you see that right about the back? Let's all say it together. Because it's a good thing to get into our heads. We didn't enlist God to help us get the most out of our lives. He enrolled us to be a part of his plan and purpose for this world. If we live with such an awareness... We begin to learn what discipleship really is. And the life-changing consequences it carries. And we get the privilege of knowing what it means to be part of what God is doing in this world. God is doing so much. So much in this world. And so, you may remember, and this is the next slide, thanks. Some time ago, I had the big Connect Fours on this platform. And, uh, you know, the... Well, for people who are listening to the podcast, uh, we've got on the screen now a a big sort of like a Connect Four uh, board. And all the counters are in it. But in the bottom left-hand corner, there's a different shade of counter. And there's only a few of them. That represents us as Christians gathered here in church on a Sunday morning. And you'll notice the the heading there. Church gathered. That 5% is really... A rough estimate of how much time in the rest of our lives we spend in church gathered together. So it's important to gather together because that's what scripture encourages us to do. Because gathered together, then we come to worship, we come to praise, we come to thank God for who he is and what he's doing. And we teach and encourage one another. So it's important. Don't give up. Meeting together is what God's word says to us. So meeting together is important. But actually, if you see there, compared to, let's say, the rest of our city, everybody else is out there doing all kinds of things. You know, watching the tennis, watching the cricket, watching the Grand Prix, shopping, you know, doing all kinds of things. Fishing, perhaps, or ironing, or whatever. Washing the car, whatever. When we scatter, next slide, please, we return to our neighborhoods our workplaces our family and our friends and if we've been to church and we've got the right teaching and we've got the right encouragement then we'll scatter with a solid understanding that we can can be fruitful we can be confident without being cocky you can be humble and confident and we can be effective for him out there beyond these walls, as a scattered church where we we spend, let's say, 95% of our time. Yes, some of that time is sleeping, but the vast majority of our time is out there in the world. And we can see ourselves as not merely survivors who are desperately wishing Sunday would come round again quickly so we can all gather together again. We can look forward to that, but actually, God's got a purpose for us in a scattered sense so on the board now uh, on the powerpoint for people listening on the podcast there's a connect 4 board and uh, all the sort of like Christians that were gathered in one corner signifying us when we're in church we're now scattered we're idledy piddledy across the board and we've got people all around us that don't necessarily believe the same stuff as us they don't have the same faith as us they're different from us they're very familiar with us and they're probably the same as us in lots of different other ways as well and yet there is a significant difference they don't know Jesus they don't know Jesus so the message is how do we become stronger, more effective disciples out there in the world 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 says this in Christ God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade through us he brings knowledge of Christ wherever we go People breathe in the exquisite fragrance. Because of Christ, we give off a sweet scent rising to God, which is recognized by those on the way of salvation, an aroma redolent with life. But those on the way to destruction treat us more like a stench from a rotting corpse. It's really descriptive. and actually, that's exactly how we are. Some people think we're nice people. They recognize there's something about us that's nice, that's good, that's wholesome. Some people, they don't like us at all. We're a bit of a foul smell in their nose because we stand up for truth and justice. And we're kind where they're selfish and stuff like that. And it's important to know that we are different and you are different out there. When Paul says we're in one perpetual victory parade, what he's not saying is we're not living lives of total healing or totally financial prosperity or anything like that. Actually, what we are doing is we're living through exactly the same circumstances as our friends and our neighbours and our colleagues and our family members. But we're doing it with a godly perspective So we might be pressed on all sides, as Scripture says. We might be crushed as we sing sometimes. But you know what? When we're pressed and when we're crushed, we give off this fragrance. Like a, a lemon or a citrus fruit, when we press it, we give off this fragrance. Now, when we went round and shook hands with each other, I had some agents. Okay? And I want you to... Just have a sniff of your handshaking hand right now. See if you can smell perfume. If you can smell hmm, perfume on your hands that you didn't put on when you came out, put your hand up right now. If you can smell that perfume. Okay. There's quite a few people. Okay, somebody right there, right there. Okay. Yes, okay, over there. Right, great. So there's about at least... I don't know, 30 people have got that on their hands right now. Now stick your hand up, the people who did have the original perfume on on your hands. So literally, it was just the the people out the front here. So it was like half a dozen people. And yet, half a dozen people have had an effect among 30, 35 people. It actually worked better in first service, so, you know. (laughs) Anyway, there you go but it has an effect a good perfume a quality perfume goes a long way and actually as Eugene Peterson describes it there we're an exquisite fragrance an exquisite fragrance there's no other fragrance like it let me tell you about John not his real name I'm not going to tell you his real name, but I know a guy called John. I've known him for the last 12 years. I play cricket with him in the summer. Wednesday nights, when it's fine, we play cricket. And I've gotten to know John. Uh, quite fond of him. He's a good guy, and uh, very, very kind fella in lots of ways. Lovely, lovely guy. Probably would be a little bit more in his outlook, more Buddhist than anything else. Although he's not a practicing Buddhist. Certainly the way his worldview works. And I've known John for 12 years, and we've talked about all sorts of stuff over those 12 years. Cars, kids, work, politics, films, God, faith, Jesus, the Bible, church. I've invited John, not his real name, to carol service, comedy night, guest service, wrestling, everything Everything that we've done, I've, ne- I've nearly invited him to everything that we do. And yet, he's politely declined every invitation. Or he's had something else on, and he's not been able to come. And to be honest, I'm a bit frustrated. <laughs> a bit frustrated with that. And I think, God, 12 years I've had this relationship with John. You know, come on, God. God. <laughs> And yet, just recently I've been reminded, God is at work. God is at work and God's using other people, even in John's life. So, she's not here because she's been on nights. But Zainab, one of our rushers, she works with John. And she works... With all the parameters of ooh, what's appropriate about not sharing faith and sharing faith in all that world. And she sort of like lives with that little bit of a frustration that she's a Christian amongst all her colleagues and there's only a certain amount of faith showing that she can do. And yet, John has told me that Zainab is a brilliant, brilliant person. She's a great worker, she works really hard. But more than that, she's got a great character. She's got a joyful spirit. She's got something about her that's different. He's recognised that. And he actually equates that to her faith as a Christian. Even though Zainab has not gone up to him and said, Do you know Jesus? (laughs) Or anything like that. She's been patient. She's been loving. She's been kind. Interestingly, John also knows Olorunda. Who was up here just a minute ago. Olorunda... ...is John's boss. John says... Olorunda is the best boss he's ever had. Because Olorunda is a fair... ...honest... ...upright boss. And John respects Olorunda massively. He knows that Olorunda is a Christian. And something is rubbing off. That fragrance... ...is spreading. Interestingly... ...John... ...not his real name... Also knows Andy Lancaster. Also knows Craig Inwood. Also knows Mike Parsons, who come to just this church and will call themselves Christians. He also knows, because he's left and gone to Wales now, but he's still on the WhatsApp, Anthony Jeremy. So there's loads of Christians in John's life. And I'm fretting, because I don't think I'm seeing much fruit from what I'm putting in. But I tell you what, What I am putting in really matters. Because if I blow it, it affects everybody else's. It affects everybody else's. Because then John starts to think, oh, you Christians. But let me encourage you, okay? Let me encourage you, but also let me challenge you. Let me encourage you. If you're patiently travelling a journey with someone who has yet to come to faith, keep on that road. Keep on being loving and joyful and patient and kind in their life. Keep on working hard. Don't be a bad example. Let me challenge you do not let your character slip. Because it's important. Because God's fragrance is spreading throughout with people like John. And we've all got a John in our lives, God's at work in his life. And that pleasant fragrance. So what we do is important. Galatians 5 tells us to be loving. To be joyful. To be faithful. To be truthful. To be trustworthy. To be peaceful. To be gentle. To be patient. To be self-controlled. Not to be selfish. Let's do all those things. Let's do all those things. And Some of us know, John, in a work setting. And we've got some parameters that really make it pretty difficult to share our faith some of us don't and we can be a bit more free and easy, a bit more challenging but at the right time God will bring something to fruition in that sense Colossians 3 says this servants, do what you're told to do by your earthly masters and don't just do it to the minimum just so you get by do your best work from the heart for your real master, God confident That you'll get paid in full when you come into his inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. The sullen servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up bad work. So let me encourage you this morning. You've all got a John in your life. Go and be the fragrance of Christ. In your school, in your work, in your college, in your home life, in your neighbourhood. And God willing, he will multiply your little bit of salt, your little bit of light. In fact, one of the blessings is that this fellowship will become a, a place of multiplication. We're still praying to that. Let me show you this. Okay, right, let me just wake my computer up. Okay, so if you can switch to HDMI, don't worry if you can't see this all this clearly. I'm going to try and show you something on a bigger sense and then zoom in. Okay, so thankfully, an awful lot of you have given us as a church permission to have your details. It was called the GDPR exercise, and uh, lots of us have been involved. Some of you have very kindly given us your details, some of you haven't. It's a bit frustrating, but anyway. We're trying to use it for godly purposes because we all still carry on getting junk mail, don't we? So we've all done this GDPR, and yet I still get emails and junk mail through my letterbox and everything like that. And so some people are are, are not using it right. But you know, the Bible says that sometimes the world is more wiser than us Christians. And we need to use it complying to the law, but also perhaps use it to what might be an advantage as well, without contravening anything. So this little exercise doesn't contravene GDPR, if you're worried about your details. But if you look at the map of Leeds and Wider, and you look at everybody who comes to Bridge Community Church, it's an amazing picture, because our database now has a map that shows us every household. And every household could be one person. It could be four, five, six people even, might be. And it's a pretty amazing picture. But it caused me, as the guy who was responsible for outreach, to really begin to think, God, what do we do with this? How do we as individual Christians, what what are we supposed to do with this? In our everyday situations, in our neighbourhoods where we live. So I started somewhere. Thanks a lot to... Benji Goods, who did the prototype for this, and and Gemma Hutchinson, who did the digital version of this. We've been able to put this picture together. So I want to show you, if you can see that, that is LS9. And we're in LS9 as a church, and let me just find us. So we are... Are we here, or are we here? We're we're here. We're just there, we're my little... That's it, my little arrow is pointing. Right, okay. So, if I said, how many people just in this little locality come to Bridge Community Church? There's quite a lot of people there. And actually, if you, if you keep thinking, every arrow is not a one single person. It could be a household. It could be multiple people. That's quite a lot of people living in just this area alone. That's interesting because why has, God, why has God put you on the street that you live? Why have I lived on my street for 23 years? What's God doing there? There's got to be a reason. There's a reason he's put us into the families that we live in. There's a reason he's put us into the workplace that we work in. So why has he put us into the neighborhood? Then you begin to think, okay, these are people that would call themselves Christians, born again, Come to this fellowship. I hope I've got a virus. Never mind. Get rid of it. And, um, but there's a lot of people in this locality that actually do come to this church or have gained some goodwill from this church in one form or another that are quite warm towards Christians because they've had a good experience. So you heard just a few weeks Beck's talking about Zarak and her and her dad Mark and uh, Jess going out regularly, delivering beds and mattresses to people who who need them. Now, I want you to know that they're on this map. I don't know who they are. I don't know the number of the house that they live in, but I do know the street that they live on. Okay? Because that's useful. Also, Malcolm and many of you are CAP befrienders as well. Malcolm goes out faithfully working for CAP, helping people out of debt, and really releasing them, what a massive, massive thing impact that has uh, on people's lives. So the Zarek and the Cap charity, these are uh, these are just people in this area that have been connected through through those things. So the little green arrows, there's, there's a few of them: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven people there, and Zarek. So we're starting to build up a picture. There's quite a few people in this area of LS9 that have had a good experience of Christians. Splash Time is our parent-toddler group. Lots of people come to Splash Time, probably about 40 to 50 people every day. They're allowed to come for two days a week, and they have great input. Their kids have great input, and they have great input. And they have connection with Christians because they meet people like Pauline and Claire and all the wonderful Splash Time volunteers. Suddenly, wow, that's quite a lot of people. Quite a lot of people that have had a great experience of Christians. And then you think, actually, there's Kids Club as well. Lots of people send their kids to Kids Club here on a Monday evening. And those families really see that their kids enjoy coming. And they love to send them. How many families of Kids Club do we have in this area? All of a sudden, you've got an awful lot of people. In fact, you've got four times as many people as our regular attenders at Bridge Community Church. You've got a mission field out there. What's God saying? What's God saying to us? What's the Holy Spirit saying to us? I'll tell you what he's not saying to us. He's not saying, go banging on every door down your street and say, have you got a kids club? Have you, have you been released out of debt from CAP? He doesn't want us to be inappropriate. But he does want us to pray. He wants us to pray for our neighbourhoods. For our streets. He wants us to pray for our neighbours. To, I don't know, go for a walk up and down your road. Prayer walk your road. Because, quite significantly, and we're going to zoom in. I just want to show you. you know, What could God do with this situation? So I want to zoom in on... Torrey Drive, Torrey Mount, and Torrey Grove. Look at this. So, in that area alone, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six regular BCC families. You've also got one, two, three Splash Time families, two Zarek families, there's a cat person just off the top of the page, and there's about 15, 20. Kids' club families, just in that particular area. What is God saying? What is God saying? Not all them people can come to an event here at BCC. They might not even want to. And yet, they've all had a good experience. So, as individuals, God's given us all a call, hasn't He? He's called us, first and foremost, to pray for our neighbourhoods. Pray, because God's not put you there by mistake. There's a plan to this. There's his plan. And we need to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. What God? What is God saying to us about our neighbours? Each neighbour might be different. So we have to have our ear open. We have to be alert, as the Bible says. We have to make the most of opportunities without being inappropriate. We have to look for where we're showing the fruit of the spirit Before we even use the gifts of the spirit Because we might have a prophetic word But without love It would be like a clanging cymbal God has put us all in neighbourhoods He's put many of us In work situations Some of us have retired But he's put us in home and family And neighbourhood situations And he's put us all in friendship groups Of one form or another Why? Well, because God's got plans for this city. And if that little exercise shows us just a little postcode in Leeds, what about the postcode that you live in? Where are the Christians around your neighborhood that you might want to pray with? But where are the people that are warm to faith already? Might not be through the ministry of Bridge Community Church. Might be another one of the churches in the city. But they've had a good experience of Christians. And you might be there for the very fir- 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 fir purpose of being that little bit more salt and that little bit more light to flavour and enlighten that person. Don't become somebody who's like an in-your-face crazy Christian who needs to smash people in the eyes with the gospel. That's not what I'm saying. We need to become people who are appropriate So let me just ask you to perhaps close your eyes, let's just reflect for a minute, what God is saying to us right now. And as we reflect on all that we've heard, all that we've seen, maybe we can ask ourselves the same question this morning that I asked the people on the platform earlier on. So four questions. Where will I be tomorrow might be a work setting might be an education setting might be at home in your neighbourhood what will I be doing could be work well if it is do it to the best of your ability shine for Jesus might be very everyday, ordinary stuff. But do it well, even if no one's looking. Because God is looking. Who will I be with? Think about what God is doing in their lives. Thank him that he loves them more than you do. And he's got other people also adding in their bit of salt, their bit of light. How best can you pray for your situation? Well, you could pray, Lord, give me your fruit. Develop the fruit of your spirit in my life. Help me to be patient and loving and gentle and kind. But before all that, you could pray like Mary prayed. I am the Lord's servant. Whatever you want to do with me, God, I'm okay with that. And before we sing a really relevant song, the piece that we uh, began this service with, Colossians 1, verse 9, says this. Let's, let's pray this. So, we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will. And to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honour and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every good kind of fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. let's open our eyes if you live in LS9 around September time I'm going to be inviting small numbers of you in and showing you that map and I'll not be contributing any GDPR or anything like that I'll just be trying to inspire you and help you and how you can pray for your neighbourhoods a little bit more effectively and how you can have an ear open to God and be salt and light in your community and I'm sure Certain that God's going to do something, and whatever happens in LS9, we'll learn from, and then we'll start rolling it out in other postcodes around the city. And we'll be strategic. We'll not just be methodical. We'll look at, okay, where, where does where do you want us to lead us next? Might be your area, might be your postcode. So let me encourage you already be praying because God's at work in this city. So let's stand and sing words to that effect. You're the God of this city. And let's close by singing that as a prayer. Thank you.